Welcome to the Crystal Valley Casserole, a podcast where we introduce you to members of our ward. We are Chad and Kenny Smith. We are not professional podcasters, but we have some amazing people we want you to meet. So, without further ado, pull up a seat and join us as we get to know some of the ingredients that make up the Crystal Valley Casserole. Welcome back to another episode of the Crystal Valley Casserole. Uh, school breaks are like two weeks. Crystal Valley Casserole podcast breaks are like two months. So we're excited to be back. It's been a long time since we've done an episode, but we're really excited to have Elder Swart and Elder O'Neill here with us. Looking forward to getting to know them a little bit better. Yeah, so let's see. Elder Swart, you've been in our ward for um, a transfer or two? Yeah, transfer and like transfer and a half. Okay, and then Elder O'Neill, you've just been here for yeah, a couple like three weeks. weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Okay. Well, we're super excited to kind of get to know you a little bit better and introduce you to members of our ward. And we'll just go ahead and get started. And why don't you guys kind of tell us a little bit about where you're from and maybe some things that were unique about your growing up, maybe a little bit about your family. Okay. Elder Swart, why don't you go first? Yeah. Okay, so I'm from Southern California. Um, there's six siblings of mine. There's three older and three younger, so I'm right in the middle. And I love the beach in California, so that's something I actually miss. I like to go boogie boarding, and that's kind of that's kind of a fun time. And I also like going to the desert in winter, because then we get to do some off-roading vehicles. Oh, nice. So yeah, those are some fun things I like to do. That does sound fun. What's the split? So there's seven kids, you're in the middle. Mm-hmm. How many boys, how many girls? So there's two older girls and then one older brother. And then I have two younger brothers and one younger sister. Oh, okay. So there's four four boys, three girls. Okay. So. We managed to keep it pretty even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. What part pretty of lucky. California did you say? Um, so it's called to Los Angeles. It's called Rancho Cucamonga. That's the city I'm in. So I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was there until maybe I was 13 years old. And I went to like this uh, charter school up until then, up until like eighth grade. So it was like where you have a teacher that kind of just goes to you. Uh, with every like class so there was only like 27 of us or so so you get to know them pretty well because you move up the grades with them only um and then yeah so it was was pretty crazy leaving after uh, that many years getting to know them um so i had to like figure out how to make friends all over again and let's see in eighth grade uh, that's when we moved to texas and the first place i was in was mckinney and we moved to uh, Ennis, and that's where I went to high school. That was like a, a small town south of Dallas, and now my family's in Arlington, and that's where I came from most recently. Um, and I guess I just like worked for like the last year. Like I didn't really go to school. I didn't want to start college and then not finish. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm just gonna save it for a mission, and then that's what I did. Yeah, nice. that's cool. So. Other four, I'm, it, this is actually kind of cool. We have like perfect contrast here because I think everybody thinks like, oh, you can raise a family in Texas. Like, you know, there's like oh, yeah. a good religious <laughs> I forgot to say, there. I'm the oldest of five. I forgot to say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. 
How many boys and how many girls? Oh, um, let's see. There's three boys, two girls. It was like me, uh, brother, and then sister, another brother, and another sister. Yeah. Nice. Baby cool. sister. Yeah. Alternated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. So, yeah, I don't know. This is my perception, right? And obviously, I'm looking for like an, an, another perception. Because like, I think it's really easy in the church to be like, oh... You know, you can raise your family in Idaho or Utah or Texas or Arizona, but, like, it's really hard to raise a family in California, right? <laughs> Like, there's just, like, you just hear about so many, whether it's, like, political issues or, yeah. you know, the crime or whatever. So, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as growing up in California, mm. um, you know, obviously... You know, yeah. you'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but like you grew up with like a strong testimony. Yeah, like, yeah. Love the church, and what was that like? Just growing up so, in California in that environment. I think like there's definitely an opportunity to be different. So like you had a time to have variety and kind of have your own identity. You go to school, and I had two uh, friends of mine that were kind of me and the other Mormons were all tall white and blonde so mm-hmm. kind of stereotypical we go to high school everyone Wait, knows both the other friends are blonde also yeah <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that detail my, one That's of my funny. friends was like 6'6 six, six, the other was 6'4 six, six, and I was like 6'2 <laughs> we're all born around the six, same 6'2 and you're the short one yeah yeah so um, I think it wasn't um, there might have been like some challenges where there wasn't like as many uh, people that were the same as you mm-hmm. but like I said, you have the opportunity to just be different. And yeah. so that kind of gives you like a new perspective on being a member of the church. And like, I have this opportunity to be this um, unique person. So you go to school and it's just like, everyone knows you're kind of different. And, and you yeah. didn't mind and that. And, that. It, and no, it wasn't. It, it probably actually felt great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is me, you know? And yeah. so, I don't I know. That. There are still uh, times where you get to meet with maybe some other stakes and you'll see a lot of youth and, that's kind of exciting, but yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what exactly Utah looks like, but <laughs> California, the boundaries are still really big. We just kind of get everyone we can. And, yeah. Well, I really hope so. I don't know how many like youth in our ward listen to these podcasts. I, I have no idea, but I teach seminary and that is something that I hope that my seminary kids can learn and like, maybe I'll play this for them because mm-hmm. I think I definitely get the vibe from them that they think like, man, it's hard. Like we're weirdos or whatever. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And, and this is in Castle Rock, which is like a pretty conservative area, like pretty, you know, fairly good religious base and stuff like that. So I really hope that instead mm-hmm. of looking at life as like, Oh, we're different. Just be like the opportunity is like, yeah, like let your light so shine is a yeah. great metaphor for exactly. the way you live your life when you're, the kind of yeah. unique person in a in an area. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good lesson for all of us. Yeah, I think um, I think it was learning. I wasn't until I was in high school. I felt like I was able to be more open about who I was and just kind of yeah. be who I wanted. I think by that time I figured out like what these two friends I had were so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in middle school, it was all about I needed to fit into this group, mm-hmm. and then I started realizing this group really wasn't my good friends. So one of my first testimonies of the church was actually that I was really good. I had good friends. I had good teachers. I had uh, these great opportunities and experiences. And so um, I started to draw more towards that rather than hanging out with this popular group that I thought was kind of like, this is what I wanted to be. But instead, I knew that I wanted to actually be yeah. part of the church. So 
Yeah, that's kind of a little journey. That's cool. So, and then all the Elder O'Neill. So, like, I like did the you know, this is my perception. This is kind of stereotypical of what people think. But what's your like experience? Because it's still hard. Yeah, being a growing up as a teenager in the church, no matter where you're at. And so, what would you add to that conversation about? Yeah, just being unique. I was gonna say with like the like what you were talking about, like with your kids thinking that they're like, man, we're just weirdos and they don't want to share it. I, th- I think I kind of felt the same way when I was going through high school. It was probably after high school that I felt like, man, like if I could go back in time, I'd probably be a little bit more open because I was kind of closed off to people. I would, I had a, like a select friend group that I trusted. And the main thing that they noticed from me was that I was, um, they said a lot that I was like nice uh, and I didn't cuss. And they would always ask me like, why don't you like swear? And so that was something that would lead to a conversation um, I was actually reading in one of my journals this morning that I, uh, one of my friends named Brandon, I was able to share to him uh, what a ward meant. Like he had never heard of our religion at all. I was like, dude, seriously? Like I've never met someone who's not heard the word like Mormon, like oh, wow. who doesn't know anything about it. So that was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a good opportunity. Um, but yeah, not everything like moved us forward. Now, of course, being on a mission, it's like you look back and you're like, man, I had so many opportunities <laughs> that I could have seized. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But um, being, I, I had some pretty good friends. They just weren't members uh, in school, at least. I, I did have like a really good friend in the church, though, that eventually came to that school. But then he like left because he, he wanted to go somewhere else. <laughs> but um, it wasn't too bad. I I wasn't as like open as Elder Swart probably it was like if we were one-on-one that's when I would kind of talk more about it and be like yeah I'm part of this church there I I can actually remember one time where I explicitly said no I'm not a member and I felt terrible afterwards (laughs) oh no (laughs) so I I never did that again that's which is a good thing but yeah yeah I mean you learned that that doesn't make you feel that good it (laughs) made you feel terrible yeah oh cool great yeah awesome um okay well, share with us a little bit about, and I guess we kind of alluded to this, but just how you kind of gained your testimony or maybe anything growing up that was especially formative, if there's anything that stands out. Hmm. Okay. Probably, yeah, I'll probably have you go first. Okay. I need to collect my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, like I was talking about, I started to recognize that the church was at least good and... Um, I felt like I was feeling the spirit of confirmation, like, yeah, this is the right place is where you want to be. So I kind of just drew near to that, and that kept me going pretty strong. And then um, by the time I was 12, I actually had an experience where um, I'm about to receive the priesthood. And um, for some reason, it just kind of, like, hit my heart really strongly, like, I need to know whether or not this is true. Because this power that they're talking about that I'm about to receive, like... I want to know that this is like legit like this can't just be somebody giving me the priesthood and I don't know they're just making it up so I was kind of having this crisis of myself I was having this faith crisis and I went to my mom for answers and she was really good she was able to help me um, answer a few things my dad was able to answer a few things Um, I still wasn't satisfied I was kind of taking this month of time to try to process is this really the the truth Um, and then my mom shared a scripture with me that finally like helped me break free from this kind of crisis and she shared with me second timothy 1 7. Um, it says for god hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and so i realized at that time i was 
experienced a lot of fear um, because it's a weird thought to think this whole life that you've been told about God and Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that it's not real. And um, if you try to dive too far into that, that can really start to scare you. And so when she shared that scripture with me, I felt like um, I needed to draw closer to more of the love and the power that comes from the Spirit. And so yeah. I continued to do that when I was in church. And um, I think I was able to start feeling these um, the Spirit. And my Sunday school teachers were great, and they were helping me um, understand things. And so... Um, yeah, that's kind of where my testimony started to grow, and then from there I was able to read the Book of Mormon on my mission, and now that's like an even more powerful confirming evidence to me that it's true, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my, I don't know, take on testimony. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, well, I love that you highlighted, too, how it's something that happens over time, and um, gradually, and mm-hmm. also I love that you talked about kind of the choice you made to draw closer to the things that uh, that were creating feelings of love and mm-hmm. strength and those things that come from yeah. God and how it yeah. can be also really tempting to get pulled into the other stuff too that <laughs> yep. creates a lot of doubt and fear yeah. and so that's really good to recognize the difference and actually since you mentioned uh, going to your parents. I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. All right. So for anyone listening to the podcast, today is the day that the elders spoke in church. So I'm following up on something that you said in your testimony at church today. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but you said something like, my mom always taught us to feel for and follow mm-hmm. the Spirit. Exactly. And I wanted to know how she taught you that if it was explicitly mm-hmm. teaching or example how, how did so she teach you i think part of it was example um i could definitely my mom had a very strong testimony and i could see it um there's th- multiple times where i saw her like praying on her bedside and when i come up to her i'm like mom mom she's like give me a second i'm saying my prayer and then there's um i think one of the influential things um, she shared with me her stories of the things she did wrong in her life, a lot of mistakes she made. Mm-hmm. And then she would always explain and say, um, if there's anything I missed the most when I was making those decisions was the absence of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't feel the Spirit in my life, and I wanted that, that friend back. She always said it was a friend, as like mm-hmm. this best friend, this companion. So when I heard her talk about that, I was like, I want to hang on to that, this best friend is somebody who's going to guide me and kind of like be there so her example was a huge part she was always like it always seemed like she was following what the church um was you like the guidelines or the uh, principles that you're being taught she seemed to always be following them she was reading her scriptures and praying and i don't know it was a really big influence on me so since she took it so seriously and since she shared with me her personal um, experiences and like her life it was just like um, really eye-opening to me that in my life I want to chase the spirit so yeah that's that's why I feel like I go after it and I love feeling the spirit that's that's where my testimony started and there's been other growths too yeah thank you yeah. for sharing that what an awesome compliment to your mom mm-hmm. love you mom <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll tell her to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Sick. We'll send her the yeah, link. do that. Okay. 
Okay. Elder right. O'Neill is like studying his journal <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I got this timeline of events. He mapped out, we were chatting about this question a little bit before we hit record and he told us that not not because he knew this question was coming, but he had been personally thinking about his testimony and had mapped out a timeline. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that have been formative for you. Okay. Yeah, if I were to do all this, it would probably take a long time. <laughs> so I'm just going to cherry pick here. Probably the, the first thing uh, to mention, just because it, it, it kind of explains further, like... Uh, reasoning behind like why I did certain things was uh, there was this day where my dad was uh, he was mowing the lawn and he asked me to help him cut the trees with the weed eater like around them one of them had poison ivy around it and um, or I think it was dead poison ivy but you know it still has like the oil on it so I just kind of went over there and I had never had a poison ivy reaction before that and I Honestly, like I kind of felt like invincible when it came to like getting <laughs> allergic reactions or uh, getting like a, a broken arm from something because the worst thing that ever happened to me was like a fractured wrist from playing like soccer or something. But um, so I wasn't afraid and I was, you know, just cutting around it. And then when I went inside, I think it was my game day or something. And so I postponed taking a shower because I, I was able to play video <laughs> games right there. My dad was like, dude, you got to take a shower, man. And I was just like, I don't care. And so <laughs> I took a shower later and then I woke up the next morning with like, um, actually, I think it was over time a, a rash started to build, like in my what is this part of your arm called? Like the inner elbow. Inner your elbow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my kids would call it your elbow pit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wasn't the one really. I didn't think it was that bad because like it had been dry there in the past, but it was like starting to get worse. And then someone at a service project pointed it out. He's like, "That looks like a poison ivy reaction." I was like, "No, that's not." what and then he was like yeah that's poison ivy i was like dang and so um three weeks later you know poison ivy reaction is supposed to be done but by then i had had like like fat ears fat face and like squinty <laughs> eyes i even have a picture of it i might wow. show later but um three weeks later it was almost done and then um i just wasn't treating it right and so this infection started to spear and so in short, like for 11 months, I had like terrible skin conditions and it kind of like... How old were you? Were you a teenager? Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's check the timeline. Um, <laughs> it was in May of 2020. So okay. I think oh, that was fairly long. recent. Yeah, yeah, like three yeah, years ago. Okay. Three years ago, I had to deal with that. So um, yeah, it, I had to like really... Uh, my mental oh, health just went downhill. Good thing like, you couldn't be around anybody. Yeah, because it's COVID. Yeah, that, COVID. That was, yeah, it was crazy. It was so weird talking to people after, like, coming back to school. I'm like, yeah, the COVID was, like, terrible, but not for reasons you'd think. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, like, they'd ask me about it. I'm like, I'm not talking about it. I'm like, I just don't want to talk about it. Oh, um, but fast forward to when I'm, like, healed, um, that just kind of brought me to, like, an all-time low, like, with my brain and everything. Months. You said today that it yeah. was, like, 11 months. Right? Yeah, 11 months. And... Uh, I just kind of drew away from God. Like, there were times where I received priesthood blessings and nothing happened because I just had no faith that it was going to work. And so um, once I finally started, like, you know, treating my skin better in the way the doctor was saying and just being exactly, like, obedient to what he was saying, it started to heal. And I started just, like, being really responsible because I was just done after a while. 
but when you get pushed like that far and you get like really bad sleep it just oh it takes a toll on you so uh, there was like a time i just like cried on my mom's shoulder like crazy it was ridiculous but anyways aside from that sad part uh in the the future when i actually healed i was like super grateful and everything um but i i decided like not to go read scriptures i think i just kind of felt like uh, resentment or something and so that just kind of drove me over the edge and so I just didn't read scriptures I procrastinated repentance a lot and it just kind of kept me in that low for like a long time but eventually um, once I started um, let's see it was June 9th of 2021 uh, there was this camp out coming up and mom and dad man how am I gonna summarize this story um, <laughs> Basically, I asked God in prayer at one point if he wanted me to serve or if I was worthy because I just kind of felt like, man, I've just been so, like, rebellious and, like, I didn't do anything crazy but still felt terrible. And so uh, the Lord, through my journal, like, I had a pen paper ready and the, the tent of the camp out where I, I prayed and then I received, like, subtle promptings. I could, like, barely feel anything, though, when it came to the Spirit. Um, but fast forward... So that was kind of like my, I guess, decision of like, okay, like I had already decided as a kid, I'm going to serve a mission. Here it is now. So I, you know, remade the decision there because the Lord told me so. And then let's see, uh, fast forward, I started online MTC and I just, I, for some reason, the very first day of M online MTC, I just started questioning everything. And I just kind of realized that I didn't know of an absolute assurity. I was questioning how strong my testimony actually was. And before that time, my friend was trying to convert his girlfriend and in the process came across Anti and he dove really deep into that. And uh, he was able to find like answers to all his questions and actually was able to baptize his girlfriend, which is pretty awesome. Like I got to watch that whole story unfold. It was insane. Um, but after that it, it got me curious um not just to anti but more so um to like what was making people leave or the other side mm -hmm. so i had access to the computer because we're doing zoom lessons so i just kind of in my free time would watch like ex-mormon videos and it was not healthy at all mm -hmm. um it just kind of added on to my my skepticism and so but i felt like if i was going to search for truth i might as well understand the other side so that's why I kind of did it, but it wasn't like super smart. I think it just made my search for truth take longer. Um, but fast forward, uh, I'm started, I'm still searching, but I'm just super skeptical. And then um, I came across Alma chapter 32, finally, in reading my Book of Mormon cover to cover. And that was kind of a hinge point because it says in there, God desires in the first place that you believe, yea, even on his word. So I was like, whoa, I have like... I looked up the definition of skepticism and it said like unbelief in there and I was like so I've just been like not believing anything I'm hearing so I I turned it around I was like okay I gotta be open like actually open not just like holding on to something while looking at something afar I have to like really you know let go and then the spirit can speak to me maybe um, and it's not like I didn't have spiritual experiences in the past like I had like really cool stuff like that's that I read today in the journal like one of them was i was talking to my dad about how i felt uh like i wouldn't be ready if the second coming were tomorrow and then he you know really helped me you know just feel a lot better about myself and so i went into the closet that night prayed and just felt this like wave it was like uh 
other people describe like God giving you a hug sort of mm-hmm. feeling. So it's not like I didn't experience that, but mm-hmm. I just started questioning a lot of stuff. I thought maybe uh, I was like forcing myself to feel the spirit. Um, but later on, uh, man, this is already a long story. Um, to, to try my best to summarize this last part, I read the, the Book of Mormon cover to cover, and then I asked God if it was true. Um, and I, you know, I was really wanting an answer for that, like a powerful answer, because my mom had done that and she received a powerful answer. And I didn't really get anything. I think I was praying for like 20 minutes and I was asking God, like, do you want me to pull like an Enos on you? Like, do you want me to pray all day, all night, like for this? But I I didn't do that. But I, I kept going because something about Alma 32 just got me. It was like, man, this really makes it sound like if you just keep searching that you will find it. So I just read a ton of stuff, ton of articles, and I started realizing, wow, there's actual evidence out there. Like, there's real stuff. And so over time, after reading uh, not only, you know, evidence, like, archaeologically, but also in the Bible, I was like, dude, like, that's so clear right there. That is literally, I felt like things in the Bible were proving the church. And um, But anyways, I, I read the New Testament cover to cover, and then Doctrine and Covenants with the this other stuff and eventually it came to the point where it's like all right there's like either this is either of god or it's of satan like it's not in between like because there's no way anyone could do this with like um there had to be some sort of god involved and so at that point uh what answered the question was the fact that there's like that scripture in matthew where it says uh, uh what was it uh, something about Satan. Satan cast, Satan cast out, Satan. out Satan. How shall his kingdom stand? Like that yeah. whole thing. And then on top of that, I realized in church history that Joseph Smith was casting out devils, and like Satan does not do that. So I was like, all right. I mean, that's it. And so it was all resolved. And um, at that point, I was like, wow. Like I'm here now. I'm actually here. Like it's all answered. And I there was just a new sort of conviction now. Like I actually love bearing my testimony because it just makes me feel great. Um, but that's like the, of course, like that was already a long story, but it, it's even longer. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I, I feel think, like you earned it. Sorry. Yeah, no. I feel like you earned it when you just said, like, I feel great when I show my testimony because I'm like, wow, you put in a lot of work yeah. to ask all those hard questions and just all that reading you did. So much reading. Well, and I think like the principles that you just outlined of a testimony are the same for everybody in all stages of life. Cause like you can, you can imagine like you're sitting here saying like, wow, we've got really strong testimonies. Think about how many people have served missions, mm-hmm. said exactly the same thing you yeah. guys are saying. And then at, in some point in their lives, a lot of people still lose that. So yeah. I think it's a reminder to every single one of us that like, though that pattern of studying thinking through things seeking for the spirit like they all we all have to do that and i loved how you started with like you start with belief and you start with wanting to Mm -hmm. believe because i found myself in that situation so many times in life after my mission like i've had lots of great spiritual experiences and then you still have to just be like well i still want to believe so like i need to push through this hard time Mm -hmm. so I just think the the out the outline of the principles, the steps that you took, is timeless. Yeah, definitely last. Yeah. Appreciate that. It's true. We can be biased towards 
doubting our faith or doubting our doubts, right? Yeah. And so I think... It was annoying. I, I was like, man, why is my brain like this? Like, I just naturally, as soon as I learned something, I would fact check it like crazy yeah. in my mind. Just naturally. I couldn't, like, help it. Because it was like, man, like, I just, I have to make sure. Like, cause, so if I was ever, I look back and I'm like, man, Joseph Smith must have been, like, the most impressionable guy in order to be called by God. Because if he called someone like me, it would be like, okay, one more time. Like, just, like, do I have to, like, I could not do it. I think also a question that just came to my mind hearing this experience from you. If, and maybe just for anybody in our ward who might feel like they're going through a time in their life where they have more doubts um, or they're feeling that pull to, you know, fact check everything or they're just, like, feeling more of that. Um, how did that experience, uh, shape you and help you grow? Oh man. Like the whole testimony experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my thought was, do you regret having that experience now? No, I don't. Um, I, I would do, I would say like, I don't think looking into the ex-Mormon videos was probably that necessary in order to get where I am now. Uh, although me being the way I am, I probably would have looked into that like later if I didn't do it then, because um, I'm just like that. Like I'm curious. I want to hear all the different perspectives. Um, that's just kind of like a thing in me. I have this thirst for knowledge, whether it's from other sources or this one. But yeah, I mean, I I don't regret like how it all turned out. Um, sometimes I wish it, it happened maybe like way more before my mission because then I could have probably helped a lot more people because it was maybe like two transfers in to my mission where I finally actually felt like whoa like okay this is it and then I kind of like took off from there gradually but uh, I'm super grateful I'm always grateful for how patient the Lord was especially I was kind of aggressive with my search for answers like an MTC I would ask like pointed questions to the teacher it was probably not respectful at all but and I even sent him a long like email apology like after I uh, got my whole testimony thing I was like dude I'm sorry but I want to tell you I'm here now I know it's true and I was like I'm yeah. so happy I taught in the MTC so I bet your yeah. teacher is so happy to oh, I hope so. you're thriving now yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was worth it. And all I can say is, like, if someone is, like, struggling with with uh, either that's anti or, yeah, just hearing other perspectives, it's, it's all about, like, you just have to keep going. You can't take anybody else's word for it, honestly. Like, you have to keep doing the search for as long as it takes, I feel like. And talk to people who have been through it, like, who have been through that sort of experience because they'll be able to provide better insights like for me when i was trying to find out if the spirit was real that answer came a lot later when finally i read something called the candle of the lord and it was talked by boyd k packer and he basically explained in it that some people think uh the feeling is manufactured he was explaining how um, sometimes a testimony is better found when you just bear it um even though you don't feel like you have one because the spirit will replace you know with feeling and so I, I took that kind of to heart because I was, you know, I was willing to experiment on anything any of these guys said <laughs> if they were leaders of the church. But he said the, the feeling of the spirit is like perfectly protected with the requirements that have to be met in order to like qualify to feel it. Mm. And so I, cool. because I kept a journal, I was able to look back 
and you know like me fact check <laughs> and uh see that every time i felt that i had met those requirements and so i was mm -hmm. like okay that is not a coincidence so that, that's really cool. that was kind of a complicated way for me to find that out yeah mm -hmm. that's really neat thanks for sharing that guys yeah let's go ahead and head to the the ingredients question. Hopefully you guys <laughs> kind of had some time to think about oh, that. So as this is the castle, Crystal Valley casserole, we like to just kind of find what people think is something they feel like they bring to the table or they bring to the water. In this case, you bring to our water. You could even talk about your mission, right? Like if there's something that you feel like you in particular add. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess my first thought as a missionary is like, um, I just love bearing my testimony of like the Book of Mormon a lot. So anytime I'm able to like bear my testimony of the Book of Mormon, I'm like always trying to do that because it's just so true. I think like talking about like this, uh, kind of like conversion story with Elder O'Neill, like, um, it's just so important to feast upon the words of Christ. Like you said, don't give up, um, when you do have a question. There was one time in life where I did have... A question and I was asking my mission president about it and it's a question where um, even if I had to wait till heaven to get an answer I was willing to do that because mm -hmm. I didn't I already knew that some of these things were already true and there's not really much that was gonna take me away from that so if I did have a question um, I went to my mission president about it and I said like hey um, I'm kind of concerned about this and then he was able I was able to tell him that if you don't have an answer for me, it's okay. I know I can just wait until I get there. And the Lord has greater purposes in mind. Anyways. That's so, so if I understand what you're saying correctly, like you, you feel like it's okay to have questions because you can hold on to the things that you do know are true. Yeah. And you're I, more than willing to be patient to kind of find yeah. some answers to some of the other things that you maybe don't know about. Yeah. And I that's think that's really like a good view to have. Because yeah. there are totally things that I just know, like, this is true. Like, I'm not going to give this up just because I heard yeah. this one thought. And, yeah. And if, like, like, you're kind of saying patience, like, I'm willing to wait to get yeah. an answer. That's really cool. I mean, after all, like, my first testimony is, well, at least the church is, like, true. Or at least the church is good. Like, yeah. at least it feels right, and I can at least hang on to that. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Kind of That's the way really I built up. I think... Uh, Good tip from L.L. Neal, too, about that is to keep a journal. Yeah. That's, really, that's actually something he's, he's impressed me he's with. because been a great example of that, hasn't he? <laughs> he brought up, like, these five books, you know, and these journals, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I need to, <laughs> I need to do this because um, how am I going to be able to reflect on my mission and these experiences I'm having? Uh, just goes over my head, so I need to, like, write this down and my personal studies everything, so... Anyways, journaling is something Elder O'Neill's been able to teach me, yeah. so yeah. I would hang on to that. Anyways, I just hope that I'm able to bring like a firm testament on the Book of Mormon because there's there's so many cool spiritual witnesses you will see like on every page of this book. Every page has like some sort of spiritual thing you can dive into, um, and then there's also just cool evidences out there. Just things you've never heard of that you're like, oh, that's actually really cool. That's like solid evidence. Like how could Joseph Smith like wrote yeah. this? Can't make this stuff up. There has to have yeah. been some sort of a deity or higher power that yeah. had this. And like Elodio said, that's either the devil or it's God. So yeah. anyways, 
Yeah, that was, that was my thoughts right there. Well, thank you. Real quick before I learn, Neil says, I, I was thinking about that. I'm glad that you brought up him and his journaling. Something that's totally non-religious, a book that Cammy and I both read is, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of The Moth. It's like a storytelling organization. They do like podcasts of people telling stories and they have a competition. This one guy who's been like a five-time Grand Slam champion wrote a book on storytelling. And it was incredibly, it, it, I mean, it sounds really boring and, you know, unimpactful, but I was super moved by it because he talks about the way he comes up with so many stories is that every single day he tries to write down something that in that happened to him that day that is story worthy and Ooh. and and so you could like you know like you you could be the kind of person who just like says something funny or just like says like what happened in your day but basically he's talking about like journaling right mm -hmm. and what he talks about and he uses so he teaches courses as well selling storytelling courses he talks about this lady who called him like six months after one of his courses uh-huh and she was like, before your course, I felt like I had no value. I felt like I, there, I, 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 right. I didn't have any purpose in life. And, and she's like, but I've started to write down in my every day something that was story worthy. And, she's, and she said that she now feels like she is living with a purpose, that she sees that she matters. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from Elder O'Neill is like how much we can learn about ourselves and the way God communicates with us. So all of these things are just like making uh, really good arguments for why writing in a journal regularly can help us get so much more out of our life, yes. particularly out of our relationship with God. Yeah, I really Absolutely. like he in that book, he talks about developing a lens to notice interesting things that are happening to us. And it's probably the same with documenting spiritual experiences or just yeah. interesting things, things that happen in your life. You can go through your life thinking, nothing interesting ever happens to me, <laughs> or I never have any spiritual experiences. But if you're looking for them, and honestly, I think it's the same with missionary experiences, where if you're like really looking for them and praying for them, then all of a sudden they're there. Yeah. But otherwise, you just miss them. And I think journaling really helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's helped me before my, a few sacrament talks. So there's another benefit. There's this one time I I, I felt like that where I didn't have like stories to share that I could like even relate to the gospel because I wanted to be able to share stories and like relate uh, personal experience to what I'm teaching. Uh -huh. So I would just write down a sentence of like things I thought that were interesting that happened in my life. Like, I fell down a hill or I hurt my arm, like these kind of things. And I changed it into this story and I was able to relate it to the gospel. And then I, I was able to use that in some sacrament yeah. talk. So that's great. Nice. It's like, this has, this has some practical use. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's, right. that's very cool. That's right. All right. Elder O'Neill, what ingredient do you feel like you are in the casserole? Oh man. Um, probably I can contribute through my drawings. I like to, uh, if we teach a lesson, I like to use my Facebook post drawings. Um, specifically, uh, this is my favorite one. Of course, not all the podcast people will see it. But oh, cool. I drew the armor of God. Yeah. That's awesome. Is so, that like, that's like Hebrew? 
Oh yeah, right? for, for faith, yeah, yeah. shield oh, okay. of faith. Cool. So yeah, that's one example. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, if you have a link to it, we can share a link in the show notes. I bet. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really neat. I would love um, for people to be able to see it. But yeah, the the more specific uh, like drawings, like when when I would teach a lesson about how to get a testimony, I drew four pictures of Alma 32 because that was like my favorite chapter at that point now because of how impactful it was. So I, I drew like the fruit. I always imagined, uh, if you see the picture, um, I drew it this way, but I always imagined that the fruit being the way it was described would have like this lens flare of like, it would be so bright that it's like, is that what you look at? You're like, damn. It would just look so delicious. <laughs> so I drew it looking like that. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I could add. My artistic skills. Mm-hmm. I love He's it. got yeah. some great art to share. Quite a lot. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what is it? Like, people are different types of learners, right? Like, either audio learners, visual learners, like, mechanical or, like, tactile learners. And, like, I think everybody needs somebody to teach them in all sorts of different ways. And so, like, I feel like people who are very artistic kind of bring something about the gospel about like how to visualize it or how to you know have a perspective on it that i just can't do because i'm not very artistic um so i think that that's great addition yeah thank you for sharing that i have loved learning a little bit more about both of you and We're so grateful that you came and shared your testimony and also just grateful for the work that you do every day. Um, Just the interactions that we've had with you, we've been able to feel that you have a really good feeling about you and it makes me feel like you must be working hard. Um, I can tell that you're trying to stay close to the spirit and we just appreciate that influence that you bring to our family and to our ward. Thank you. Nice. That was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> it was wonderful.